Welcome back to Decadorks. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. Jordan as Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul. But I'm taking a break this week. Instead, I'm letting my kids write the introduction for us. So here we go. 12-sided guys is all right, I guess. Except when they went in the Pokeball and were Pokemon and fought Pokemon. That was funny. After I explain what Patreon is, you can pay for extra stuff or you can not pay for not extra stuff, but you can listen both times. (laughs) They are not wrong. That is very accurate. Then I told them about ratings and reviews. You should probably leave a review. Five stars for sure, because it's nice to do. And then Discord. You can talk to people that are listening to the podcast too, or my dad. And then the shop. Can I get a shirt? Please, 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 please. And when I asked them to talk about a video game reference, I don't know, Link. No, Mario. No, Farting Luigi. All right, it's the Crystal Codex, episode 88. Loved it. Farting Luigi? There is a YouTube video where Luigi farts all the way through Mario 1. And like, it's just like, he's like, you know how like, it's just like spinning in circles like cartwheels. And he's just like, every time he farts, he kind of like floats in the air again. Like, oh, okay. And my kids love it. Of course they do. Honestly, that's fair. (laughs) Wario is the one who by canon farts. (laughs) <laughs> I love I love Waluigi because if any Mario character is going to stab you, it's going to be Waluigi. <laughs> that is true. Oh, he looks like a stabber, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Waluigi. <laughs> Everyone, welcome back to uh, Twelve Sided Guys to um, the city of Elmar in the Dracia Opera House. Last time we were together, um, our heroes finished up at the temple of Lady Jaffa and Lord Baltha by losing 83 gold pieces and then um, just deciding maybe they didn't want to gamble anymore. They made their way over to the gallery where they heard some fable or story, something about uh, a uh, the history of the area known as Rakolia. They investigated some statues, including a lion statue that seemed to have really piqued their interest. And Pine met a man who really loves mustard. That will be important later. (laughs) (laughs) As the sun was beginning to set, they were trying to find a secret entrance into the tunnels beneath um, the gallery up in the north part of Almar. And they just couldn't quite maybe figure it out. Um, Maybe they were completely off track anyway, but they decided it was time to get to the Dracia Opera House in time to see Tedward and Pender perform. As they went to the Opera House, they ate a meal, and as they were sitting there, Bruce noticed somebody walk into the Opera House, someone from his past, his mentor, Tigish, an older man dressed in the Barastian style, including a sweater vest and some tight apple bottom, we'll call them pants, not jeans who uh, came in and then um, kind of disappeared from sight. As our heroes, Nari and the boys plus one, 
were sitting in the balcony. They watched Tedward come out on stage, sing his hit, The Young Lass by the Pond, again, and then introduce Pender, who came out and together they sang a duet, uh, a duet about the shattering of Pavantis. The leaves are falling to the ground as tides when sky is still. Long are gone the summer songs, the night is chill. Beneath our feet her ground awakes, her silent slumber sees. Her wrath wakes as morning breaks, gone is our peace. But as they were singing, uh, Pine actually glanced across the way at the balcony on the other side of the opera house on the far west side and saw a man who fit the description of Bartas, the headsman, the leader of the first swords. He nudged Richter, who looked across and thought, yes, that very well may be Bartas. As he looked up, Bartas looked up and smiled at Richter and Pine and his two associates in the gallery, both stood up, threw back their hoods, and pointed their hands in the direction of our heroes. And that is where we are going to start right now by rolling initiative. Damn, we in a tight spot. Actually, we're in a really huge spot. <laughs> Especially because, like, I will, I'm concerned. I don't want to, like, damage Tedward's vocal cords. <laughs> You're going to start throwing axes toward the stage? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to, but I don't know. You never know what might happen. Uh, now you got a 19 initiative. Bruce got a 24. Pine got a 22. And Richter got a 21. You guys are... Wait, what? You guys yeah. are all way up there. Holy cow. We got all of our bad rolls out last episode oh when we were trying gosh. to actually investigate stuff. <laughs> trying to <laughs> yep. beat the game. Yeah. Looking at statues, we're like, nope, nothing here. Everything's cool. There's no sneaking up on you guys, apparently. I like how Pine stuck his hand in the lion statue mouth, just like, I can put my hand in it. <laughs> At first, I was going to be like, and then I'll like see if I can, if the tongue's like a lever or or a rope or something I can pull. But then I was like, if we find, if we find the entrance in the daylight, my, maybe not the best idea. Maybe we need to come back after like two or three a.m. if we can survive the opera. Ah, uh, yes, we were failing on purpose. We didn't want anyone <laughs> to right. notice our success. It's just that it's just that we hadn't completed some other event to trigger the other, like the progress event at the gallery. That's right. There, if we if once we finish the opera, there will be an NPC who wasn't there before. And now, when we talk to, yeah, gives us that one clue. It's right, yeah, clearly. At least we're not running back and forth trading items between people. <laughs> you know, now that you talk about it, I need to collect seven more boar skins before we uh, go to the gallery. Just because. <laughs> yeah. And what do I do with these golden acorns? <laughs> Wasn't there a horse or something that like go get his saddlebag or something like that? For maybe. What, what, you, what game are you talking about? I'm talking about World of Warcraft. Oh, probably. Every other quest in that was a fetch quest. Wow. Yes, Sabrina. Owen Wilson does sound like that. 
Wow. Have you guys ever seen the Star Wars ones where every time the lightsabers hit, it's Owen Wilson <laughs> saying, wow? Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. That's so good. I, I love those. So here we are. Okay, so we've all ruled initiative. Very good. Um, I want to just describe the scene here real quick, just so you understand what's going on. You guys are up in the balcony. So you guys are up above. And down below, there is this rows and rows of benches full to capacity with people, okay? On the stage up at the north end of this room, you see Tedward and Pender standing there. The stage is quite large and they are quite small. So there's a lot of space up there on the stage. It is totally, totally open space up there on the stage, just Pender and Tedward. And actually, just so you know, the song has just ended and Tedward kind of shoes Pender away um, as Pender then goes uh, back behind the curtain for Tedward to continue his performance. And that is where we are at. Here at the top of the round, we have Roost with a 24. What are you going to do? Did I see all that? I don't know if we established that I was paying enough attention to notice. I would imagine that Pine and Richter kind of went, there, there he is, there he is. So we'll just say that you guys all are aware and you see um, Bartos smile at you as well as these two men who are with him stand up, throw back their hoods and point their hands in your direction. Okay, Roos is going to, he's going to cast uh, Squire Hide My Tracks and I'm going to attempt to hide I'm going to maybe slip into the hallway, you know, dart into some shadows, blend in with with the crowd. So you're going to you're going to try to hide. So you're going to move off the balcony, not down, but like duck into the hallway behind and, you know, just try and like get lost and hide away from them in the hallway. Sure. Why don't you show me where you go on the map? So if you're if you're trying to hide and you're trying to be stealthy, even though you have Squire had my tracks, it's still half movement. Yeah. So I can I can really only step into the hallway and maybe move like five feet down the hall. So you're going towards the north side of the building where the, the door is that leads like backstage. Yes. All right. Pine, it is your turn. Pine will say, everybody, get ready for a fight. Wait, Bruce, where'd you go? And he's going to head out into the hallway looking for Bruce. <laughs> and which way are you going? Uh, let's see. I go out into the hallway and do I see Bruce? Um, well, he is hiding, so I don't, I don't know if he's hiding from you. Um, I, I guess you could see him because he, he's right there. I mean, he's he's not invisible. Because I rolled a 13 on my stealth. It's a 23, right? Yeah, it's a 23. Okay. okay you, you, we'll say you see Roos kind of ducking down behind the behind the chairs and stuff. Where are you going? Are you going to stay on the balcony? Are you going to stay in the hallway? Just so you know, the hallway here behind this balcony is open to the room, right? So they can see you even if you're in the hallway behind the balcony. You'd have to actually move a little further north or a little further south to get kind of out of view if that's what you want to do. Hmm. I think what Pine is going to do is seeing Roos trying to hide, uh, Pine is going to go ahead and um, move a little bit further south so that he's, his division is blocked from him and he'll attempt to hide as well. Why don't you make a... Did you cast um, uh, uh, Squire Hide My Tracks on everybody or just yourself, Roos? Uh, I would have cast it on everybody. Okay. Pine got a 33. A 33. Pine disappears from sight. Is that your whole turn? That was my, you know, part of my movement and my action. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just stay there. Richter, it is your turn. 
<laughs> okay. You feel like, I mean, this is your first time, like, actually fighting, you know, on the side of these people. But you can feel there's something different. You can't quite tell what it is, but you feel like, you know, maybe there's like a little, like, fog or mist kind of around you. You feel like um, you're harder to see. Uh, but that's kind of where you're at right now, Richter. Got it. Um, Richter is going to, I mean, when he realizes and sees Bartos kind of smiling at him, he's like, damn, this is no good. We got to get everybody out of here. I'm going to cause a scene. And he's going to cast Prestidigitation uh, just right down here, you know, close to him and some of these rows down here. Okay, down below. Yeah, sure thing. And what he's going to use is... You know, the effect that's you can create an instantaneous harmless sensory effect, such as a shower of sparks, a puff of wind, faint musical notes or an odd odor. And the odor he's going to go with is the, the smell of smoke. And he is going to yell out, quick, everyone, there's a fire. Get out of here quickly. And he's going to try to get everybody in the crowd to uh, run away. Do you want me to make like a performance check or something or? I, I'll say with the help of the prestigitation, you can make a deception check with advantage or, or performance, whichever one. I might, I'm going to try, let's see here. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try performance and I'm also going to use my special ability called the decree of Lord Astroman. And it says when you make a charisma performance check or any kind of intimidation or persuasion check, you can expend one superiority die and add the superiority superiority die to the ability check. Okay. So I'll do my performance roll. You said with advantage. Um, yes, because you have the prestidigitation creating the smell, um, basically helping you. Okay. So uh, only a 10, and then I'm going to roll a superiority die, which is a 1d6, and add it to it, which is a 5, so a 15. Okay, that's actually pretty good. That's pretty good. With the help of the smell of the smoke, you actually, the people down right in front where you had kind of made that smell, they kind of go, oh, what? Fire! Uh, fire! And then people start uh, picking up the call of fire. Okay, are you going to stay put, or are you going to move? I'm going to move out into the hallway, and if I can say one last thing... Uh, as I get into the hallway, I just want to yell to everyone, like, I can hide us. Stay close to me. And how far into the hallway are you going? Are you going uh, out of view of Bartos? Or are you going to um, kind of stay in the back of the of the balcony? I'll, I'll go out and then I'll turn towards Pine and run up to him. Because I think I can see Pine. You, you can. He is very sneaky, but you can tell where he is. Okay. And that now brings us to Nari. All you guys had amazing roles. You all four get to go before anybody else does. What are you going to do? Well, Nari kind of wanted to throw hands, but based on everybody else's uh, decisions, she is just going to sneak on back and try to hide from this guy's vision. Um, okay. So she will kind of stand next to Roost here. I mean, I would love to throw hands as well, but we're like 130 feet away from them. Yes, yes, you are. Let's see. All right. Nari, is that your whole turn? I mean, I think at this point, that's pretty much all I can do. Very good. All right. Let's see, it is now Bartas, the headsman's turn. This is a weird map to have a fight on. It is, especially considering that there is a bunch of people down in the center. This is a crowded, crowded room. Will they be crowded after we've screamed fire? 
in a theater. Well, here's the deal, is that every round is only six seconds. So there are a lot of rounds that can happen before people actually get out of this place. It is illegal to scream fire in the middle of a crowded theater, you guys. <laughs> Unless there's actually a fire. I'm hoping that these guys are casting fireballs. So we'd be like, see, see, when when the police come to arrest us. Told you so. Funny enough, that's actually what I was checking. Um, so Bartas um, will just kind of, can anyone actually see him at this point? I cannot, no. Nope. Nope, me neither. Um, all right, you guys don't know what happens, but after Bartas's turn, that was really smart of us to get sight of him and then immediately break sight our line of sight to him, huh? <laughs> We're good at this. You guys are doing great. You guys are doing fantastic. Um, anyway, um, after his turn... I just didn't think we wanted to fight in, in, in like a crowded space. Yeah. I'm actually really sad that we're ruining this Tedward experience for so many people. Um, I'm going to need... Roos, I'm going to need you to make a dexterity saving throw. And actually... I'm going to need you to make it twice. All right, here we go. The first one is a 14. Okay. And the second one is a 24. You made both of them. The first one barely as two fireballs explode on your balcony. The damage is going to be 25 halved to 12. 31 halved to 15. Ouch. So a total of 27 fire damage. Kaboom! And now you hear the screaming of people saying, fire, fire! And that's going to bring us back to the top of the round with Roos. And what we'll do is at initiative 20, the crowd will get to make their move. Roos, you are up. Oh, <laughs> what, did I see where it came from? Or was it just the balcony that we le- just left? It's the balcony you just left. And um, the way that the spell works is that you may have seen a little tiny little ball come flying across. And then it just boom, explodes as a, as a fireball. I'm going to hold my action, I guess. And I'm going to ask the, the crew, are we trying to hide and make our escape? Or do we make a stand here? I will follow... Pine's lead and follow wherever he goes. Um, excuse me, you're the one who knows these people. I don't know these people. Oh, this isn't Howling's Out. Never. (laughs) (laughs) This is Bartas. This is the first sword. This is the mafia boss. Okay, so you're going to stay put and you're just going to hold your action. What is your, what is your held action? My held action is to follow Mr. Pine. Gotcha. Okay. Well, Mr. Pine, what are you doing? The crowd is moving toward the exit. We might be able to lose them in the crowd, but it seems like they don't really care about them too much as collateral damage. Let's head backstage and see if we can circle around to the other side. And then Pine will try to move past everybody in a dash. So that would give me uh, 70 feet of movement minus 15. So that would basically put me at uh, a 55 so I'm moving north up towards the what we assumed was like backstage or I get maybe like maybe the rafters over the stage, maybe <laughs> with, with an octopus. So as you run past, you stop hiding. And so you don't get to make a stealth check, even though you have passed out a trace on. OK, very good. Richter, it is your turn. Actually, no, Roos, you can use your action to follow if you want to. Yeah, so I will I will follow him down the hall and one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so I'll just be right behind Mr. Pine. 
All right, Richter, what are you doing? You see that you headed south as then everybody turns around and starts heading north towards the uh, towards the backstage area. Uh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, Richter is going to turn as well and say, everyone here, quickly with me. And I'm going to actually cast invisibility using one of my fifth level spell slots, one of my two spell slots. But that allows me plus three targets. Uh, so a total of four targets. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. To become invisible for one hour. Fifth level spells are crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, only having two is rough, but it is. They're all like so high powered now. For one hour or until somebody makes an action that like affects the world around them. Yes. Attacks or casts a spell is what it says. Um, you are all now invisible. <laughs> okay. That's pretty slick. At, at 20, we're going to say that the crowd is starting to move and they are starting to rush down towards the exit. I am going to make a roll and we will see. Uh, yeah, it looks like um, it is slow going for this crowd. And with a five, actually, you see that some of the crowd starts actually moving up uh, towards the stage. Instead, they start climbing onto the stage, trying to escape out of the back of the building. Also, anyone who's watching notices that Pender and Tedward both move back uh, behind the curtain. I'm pretty sure they just want to, uh, they just want to spend their last minutes pawing at Tedward. Who doesn't, though? <laughs> I started playing Final Fantasy IX um, again, and... Um, there's like an actor when you go to like the, I can't remember what the town's name is, Lindblom, I think. And he, he like, every time he like moves, he, he spins and his hair goes flying off the side. And then he has to escape all the, the women who love him by dressing up like a Moogle. Anybody else remember that? Was that the one with Steiner and Dagger? Oh, yeah. Okay. Nari, it is your turn. Okay. Um, I think with her... Invisibility. Nari is actually just going to kind of follow Mr. Pine and just kind of stand like right in front of him uh, and and follow his lead. Very good. And that brings us now back to Bartaz. Um, and after Bartaz, let me see what happens. What are they going to do? Can anyone see on the balcony across the way at this point? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. All right, you guys. So, something happens. We are now going to go to the top of the round again with Roos. Roos will step up to the door and try and see if it's uh, unlocked. It is definitely locked. Okay. Roos will pull Gigi out of his out of his pocket and say Richter, this is a normal thing. I do it all the time. Just go with it and press GG up to the lock. Okay. Why don't you make a uh, slide of hand check? A 27. Oh my gosh. The lock clicks very easily, very quickly, and the door swings open. You can see back here, the hallway continues now back just a little ways. The, uh, the flooring is not quite as fancy. The wood is a little bit more rough. The walls are not decorated with, you know, fancy dark wood paneling or anything like that. Um, and you can see straight ahead, it looks like there might be even a dressing room back there. This is kind of a curtained off area. Um, definitely a lot more um, utilitarian back here uh, behind this door. Uh, Roos, do you have any more movement left or what are you gonna do? 
Um, I'm going to step into the room. I don't know if closing the door would be a separate action from opening it, but I want to hold and like close it behind the last person and have Gigi lock it behind us. Okay, that's going to be a whole other action. So that's going to have to be your next next round. Then I'll, I'll stay there and I'll just be like pressed up against the wall and like ushering everybody past me. Perfect. All right, Pine, it's your turn. Okay, what Pine wants to do is he wants to get through the backstage area as quickly as possible to get to the other side. So I'm going to go ahead and move past Nari and uh, Roos. So as soon as I get to the end of the hall, what do I see? As you get to the end of the hall here back uh, in the backstage area, you can see on the left, on the north side of the room, you can see that there are more curtains, like curtained off areas, uh, probably some dressing rooms of some kind. And then you can see that this, this, uh, this backstage area extends all the way across the back side of the building. You can see there's like a couple of like fake plants that look like they're staged and ready to go on the stage for probably some number. You can see that there's um, also like a secondary curtain back here that kind of um, blocks even more so that that way when the curtain in the front opens up, you can still kind of not see all the way back. Right now, what, what Pine is basically seeing is a whole lot of curtains on basically like a 10 foot wide hallway that runs clear across the back of the building with curtains on the left side and are on the north side and curtains on the south side. Okay, well, to get up to this point, moving past um, Roos and Nari, uh, Pine used his entire movement. So he's actually going to take the dash action now to continue and just head straight east across the backstage area, another 35 feet. And this is going to take forever. (laughs) Is it though? Is it though? Okay, okay. Richter, it is your turn. Cool. I am going to go ahead and rush up and take the dash action. Uh, Let's see here. 5, 10, 15, 20. I think I can get to here. You are almost back into the uh, the back kind of uh, the back area where Pine is, that kind of 10 foot wide hallway. Yes. Yep. I think that's right. Okay, cool. Nari, what are you going to do? Nari is going to run forward, um, kind of doing the same thing as everybody as far as she can go. Yeah, I think she'll just like use her action as a, as an extra movement and, and kind of hang out next to Pine. All right, very good. Um, that will be your guys' turn. Oh, actually, we forgot to do the people again. Um, so as far as the crowd is concerned, um, as you guys are um, kind of moving into this backstage area, suddenly you see bursting out um, through the curtain into the back area, you see three people come bursting in. Two women and a man come running in. They are dressed in nice clothes. They look panicked and they are right in front, well, I mean, they're a few feet, like 20 feet ahead of Pine, but they are panicked and they're looking for a way out and they look over at you, Pine, and actually they don't see you guys. They are, because you guys are invisible. They are looking around for an exit. So now there are three kind of civilians in the way. Pine and Nari, you guys are kind of the furthest into this back area. I want you guys to um, make perception checks. Pine rolled a 14. 14? Nari rolled an 11, which is a nat one. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, You guys, uh, I think it's overwhelming. You guys can actually now hear the actual um, crack and spit of fire um, as the the balcony itself is actually on fire uh, from those two fireball blasts. And you hear the screaming of the crowds as they are pouring out of this building. And it is now somebody's turn. 
As you guys are standing back here, you suddenly see Bartos come around the corner, looking left and right, and behind him, you see his two associates, the two who had cast the fireballs. Um, they come around the corner and they see these um, civilians back there. Bartos kind of looks at them and uh, kind of uh, does, draws a thumb across his neck. And that is their turn. And we are now back up to the top with Roos. So he, like he gave himself a tattoo of a thumb on his neck? He, what? He, he draws a thumb on his neck? <laughs> oh, yes, he did. He pulled out a Sharpie and he drew on a tattoo. And he's like, this is what I'm going to get when I go get a tattoo. And I get the f- <laughs> out. That was such a bad joke. <laughs> like bad to the bone, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a rad, bad joke. Man, that was bad. All right. A rad, bad dad joke. <laughs> All right. Roos couldn't see any of that exchange, so I'm going to continue with the plan that I said earlier. I'm going to close and have Gigi lock the door behind me and then make my way into that room. Okay. To around the corner to there. Perfect. Yeah, you can see the same thing. You see that there's like three people kind of milling about back here trying to look for an exit, but they're kind of, there's curtains all over the place on the north and on the south. Um, And uh, you guys, you can see where you're at, Roos. It looks like there's a couple of little um, walled off areas that are probably dressing rooms just a little bit north of you um, and um, that is where we are Pine what are you doing I was going to make another terrible pun but I won't <laughs> Ooh, we got shut down so hard the first time having seen that Pine's going to try to get between um, Bartos and his men and these innocents so let's go ahead and use my movement see where I can get okay Okay, so if I use all my movement, I can get in front of one of the random women. Okay. Um, And so then I actually will... I'm going to use my movement to... My action to get uh, closer as well. So another 35 feet down the hall. So now I'm about halfway between the, um, the civilians and the attackers. All right. Richter, what are you doing? All right, I am also going to come around the corner. Five, ten. To the north of me along this back wall, Are there? Is there anything? It looks like they're dressing rooms for the most part, but is there anything that looks like a backstage exit? From where you're at, you can't tell because the basically the whole um, back wall where you're at is there's a couple of like wall sections and then curtains leading into those dressing rooms. But then past that kind of the center um, is all just a, one long curtain. Got it. But you would imagine that the exit would be uh, you don't see one behind Bartas. You don't see one behind you. So it's probably uh, back behind this curtain that's on the north side of the building. OK, so 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 and 30. And then I'm going to make my dash and duck this way as you kind of move through the curtain on the on the north side you can see um, that there is an exit here there's a door that leads out of the building Um, you also see that there's some tables set up back here along the back wall of the building this is the actual back actual back structural wall they have like prop swords and it looks like there's like some books and some like fake armor and everything things that you would have ready to go for actors to go and grab before they go on stage. You also see Chicken Tender. <laughs> you see you see Tedward and Pender are 
both like looking at each other, kind of trying to, they're, they're talking to each other. It's like, what do we do? What do we do? Um, trying to figure out where they should go and what they should do as they are, um, they are scared. They are also kind of tucked back here behind this um, furthest north curtain. Okay. Uh, and can I open that back door? Um, sure. Yeah, you you go and it's one of those doors. It's it's a very sturdy door and it is locked. But there is a um, there is a knob on this side that you can actually unlock the door. And you yes, you can open it. So now this door opens up uh, into a back alley behind the opera house. Okay. Cool. I think that's it. I'll just have that door unlocked and I'll be kind of standing there about to open it up. Okay. Very good. I, I guess, hey. well, if I, I, yeah, that's all I'll do. I was going to say, maybe I'll call to everybody, but that would kind of defeat the purpose of being invisible. <laughs> <laughs> As uh, that is uh, your turn then, Richter, um, the crowd, um, because this is fun to leave them in the way, um, these two women and this man who have come here busting through the curtain looking for a way out, they are just kind of looking around, uh, trying to find a way to go, and they start to separate and kind of move around. Um, so one heads a little bit further west, one heads a little bit further north, and the other one just kind of like stays still, just looking left and right in a panic. They have no clue what to do, and they have spread apart a little bit more, and that will bring us to Nari. I think Nari seeing that door open is going to head that direction through the curtain and just sort of, um, I mean, I think at this point she has enough movement to pass uh, Richter out the door and bust out into the the street. So is she going to do that? Hell yeah. Okay. Nari is now standing outside of the door um, waiting for her companions to join her. And that now brings us to... The person who has been doing stuff that you did not know was even doing anything, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it just wasn't very poetic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Suddenly, uh, Pine, you can see these two um, these two kind of wizards that are supporting uh, Bartas. Suddenly, one of the wizards cries out as he is missed. <laughs> but a second attack comes. Wait, is it missed? No, wait, is that a miss? What did I roll? Six plus six? Oh, that's a miss. Oh, no! <laughs> I see something happening, but it's not very effective. <laughs> uh, that last roll, so a 12 and an 11, both of which miss these wizards who are both protected by mage armor. As uh, Pine, you see just the barest hint of a blade come slicing out, trying to hit these two wizards, and it is deflected off of something arcane, some kind of a flash of light, a glint that protects them from this blade. And it is now Bartos's turn. Bartos is going to turn towards that figure, and Bartos is going to... Ooh, what spell? Bartos is not looking in your direction at all. He glances back down the hallway um, that kind of mirrors the hallway you came up, and he points a finger um in that direction and he is going to cast a spell oh man that is 28 plus 30 damage holy cow to the unseen figure that is 58 damage oh my gosh and Bartas turns to his two associates and says clean this up and he is going to take his movement Plus 30? 
plus 30. He's real intelligent. There is a specific spell that deals damage and it and it adds plus 30. <laughs> I'm like, was that a 40, 48 intelligence score then? Or, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, I forgot. He gets to make a constitution save first, though. Um, oh, he might make it. He might make it, actually. That might be cut in half. Let's see. It is barely cut in half. Oh, my gosh. What a lucky son of a gun. So instead of 58, it's actually going to be 29 damage instead. Still huge damage. But luckily, whoever that figure was that got struck by that spell um, is less hurt than could have been. And now it is the two wizards' turn. They are both going to turn and make attacks against this guy. That is going to be two attacks. Um, it looks like a 19, or sorry, a 20, a 27, um, and an 18, both of which will hit. And now there is some lightning damage. That is going to be 21 lightning damage as they both cast Shocking Grasp against this figure. And... Um, 21 plus 29 is a total of 50. 50 damage to this figure. Oof. All right. Roos, it is your turn. Oh, and by the way, Bartos left the area and he went back behind the back curtain as well. He can see Tedward and Pender. He cannot see Richter or Nari, but he can see the open door. Okay. I'm going to move move I think so 30 60 to here and that will be my turn okay all right you are standing next to one of these uh, one of these women who has just kind of seen what's been going on and it is gonna be her turn soon but pine you get to go first you saw Bartos. Bartos is very close to you. He does not know you are there. Um, he has actually moved through the curtains to the north, uh, kind of um, opposite. So the building is symmetrical east and west. And so Richter and Nari have gone through a door, or they're at a door that leads out um, uh, more on the west side of the building. And Bartos is close to that same door, but on the east side of the building. Okay, so can they see him? Like, I, I, I can't see any of this, honestly. I can't see my allies. Pine is assuming that they're kind of following, they're going the same direction, because last thing Pine said was to go around the other side to try to meet them. So he's still going to he's still gonna operate under that, and seeing an ally taking a lot of damage, or potential ally taking a lot of damage at the end of the hall, Pine is actually going to slip past Bartos and come attack these uh, spellcasters at the end of the hall. And he has just enough movement to get to them. So he's going to come up and the fir- his first attack should have advantage because he's invisible. 100%, yes. So are you going to attack the one that's a little bit further north or the one that's a little bit further south? I'm gonna, the one that's a little bit further south to allow some more space for the uh, potential ally to come into the room. And by the way, can I see that potential ally now that I'm up close? Now that you are up close, yes, you can. You see an older gentleman um, wearing a sweater vest and some tight uh, (laughs) pants. And he is uh, covered in blue scales. Um, He is some kind of a lizard man. What kind of mustache? What's the mustache situation on this guy? So the mustache is actually not hair. It's kind of like like, um, tentacle-like looking things, you know? But I will tell you this. The sweater vest and pants look actually really stylish on this guy. Like... This guy looks like he dresses well. They work for this guy. Yes. <laughs> you kind of glance behind you, see a roost, and you're like, huh. Then you look at this guy, you're like, huh. 
Okay. Sorry, well, Scott. So my first attack with advantage, I rolled a 24 to hit the one, the, the spellcaster who's just a little bit south. Perfect. For damage, I'll do 10 piercing, three cold, and as I reappear, I'll say, Unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. And I'm going to go ahead and do a level two. Nice. So that will be an additional 15 damage. Ooh, nice. First hit for 28 damage. That's pretty huge. Yes. And then for my... This guy This guy is bloodied. Okay. Um, for my next, I'm actually going to say... Can I split up my action and do a bonus action between them? I don't see any reason why not. Do it. Then I will say... Because you can attack once and move and then attack again. So you might as well be able to do a bonus action too. So then what I'll say is, the storm blossoms and is restless, rending sky. And I'll cast the rending sky uh, technique and then I'll take my next attack. Okay. For 17 to hit. That will hit. Uh, It's 13 piercing, one cold and seven thunder damage. Oh, this guy is reeling. I was going to say, and I'm also going to say, unleash with precision Swordmaster's Fury and do a level one. Okay. So that will be another 2d8. Come on, big money. 10 more damage. Um, you did a total, I believe, of 59 damage in one round. Um, and this spellcaster drops. Are you doing non-lethal? Or are you taking this guy out? Um... I think because they were ready to kill innocents, I'm not going to worry about pulling punches. Okay. Yes, this guy drops. Okay, one spellcaster down. Okay, that's Pine's turn. That is my turn, yep. Richter, I imagine you hear the sounds of battle um, going on, even though the whole area is just full of the screams and the crackle of fire, uh, that kind of thing, the screams of the people. What are you doing, Richter? Oh, and, and by the way, you can see Bartos as well back here. Yeah, I think, you know, Richter was, I mean, Richter was going to, you know, cut bait and run. But I think the moment he heard Pine yell out, you know, the Swordmaster's Fury, um, he's like, oh, damn, this is happening. And so he turns and he's going to make his movement. And this is a this is a curtain right here, just 10 feet to the south of me, right? Yes, yes, yes. There's, it's a curtain. So this this back area is curtained off. This back area also stretches most of the length of the building, um, but it's about 10 feet wide. There's some tables and some people in the way. Tedward and Pender are back here kind of huddled together, nervous, scared. Got it. So I can move through that curtain, though, without too much problem, right? Yeah, not, no problem at all. It's basically like a wall. You just can't see what's on the other side. Okay, cool. Does that like, is that like um, difficult terrain or anything like that? Or no, 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 not at all. Not at all. All it does is block Lannister. Okay, because when he said, can you move through it? And you said, it's basically like a wall. I'm like, well, then I guess you can't. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sorry. Um, Yes, you can move through it. No problem. It's kind of like it's a curtain. So, (laughs) yeah, right. It 100% is a curtain. Guys, in case you're wondering, the curtain is like 100% a curtain. (laughs) Please tell me that as you step through to attack Bartas, you say, it's curtains for you. Oh, Oh my gosh. gosh. That would be beautiful. I was going to say that earlier. (laughs) That's the the one I didn't do. So I'm going to go ahead and move 5, 10... 15, 20, 25, 30, 
and I'm going to use my special ability, Speed of the Light. Uh, when I move on my turn in combat, I can double my speed until the end of the turn. And once used, I can't use this trait again until I move zero feet on one of my turns. So I'll use that to uh, get another 30 feet of movement. Okay. That'll get me to there. You are much closer to Bartos. Yeah, I'm not dropping my invisibility yet because I want to kind of have the the jump on him if I can get close enough. But I'm heading towards Pine to help him out. Okay, perfect. You're in the same area where um, kind of between the two sets of curtains where these uh, these uh, NPCs, these uh, random folk are basically like think of it in a video game where like Oh no! The, the building is on fire or something, and they're just running in a circle, like with little little p- bits of um, flame on their hats or whatever. Anyway, they're just kind of like, and the music goes. Sure, that's exactly what it does. Anyway, all right, Richter, that's where you are, and it is now the random folks' turns. They are going to. I'm gonna have them stay put and be in the way. It's kind of fun. Nari, it is your turn. You have exited the building and you are kind of outside. What are you gonna do? Well, I now have regrets because it seems like everyone else is inside. If possible, I think Nari will prop open the door so that way they don't have to worry about it like closing on them or anything. Okay, easy and enough. And then head on inside and again, try to find Pine and get as close to him as possible. You can hear him calling out and saying like uh, his different, uh, his like a uh, Swordmaster's Fury. Yeah, the storm blossoms and is restless, rending sky. Yeah, she will use her dash action to just get as close to him as possible. Yeah, prepare to uh, beat some people up. Um, you actually see Bartos as you go running past as well. I think you're still going to be back here more behind, like, Richter, somewhere around here. And it is now Tigish's turn. Tigish, having been helped by Pine, steps up and he attacks at the other spellcaster that is still standing with two attacks. And the first one is, well, whichever one hits, is going to be a sneak attack. That is going to be a 13, which will barely miss, and a 18, which will definitely hit. And that is going to deal some damage that will be... Oh, yeah. Oh, this is a big hit. I forgot. I forgot the stat block I gave this guy. Okay, here we go. It will be 1d6 plus 3. That is a, that is 5. Plus 4d6. That is uh, another 12. So that's 17. Plus the, uh, the spellcaster needs to make a saving throw. Difficulty 15 constitution. And that is going to be a failure. And that will be an extra... 7d6 poison damage. Ooh. Okay, so we have got 5, 17, 39, 47 damage with one hit. 47 damage. Holy cow. Followed by another swing. Oh, no, I guess that was both of his attacks. Okay, this other spellcaster is still standing, but has been hit incredibly hard. And it is now Bartaz's turn. Bartaz moves behind the curtains 
and nobody is back there to see what he does. The last spellcaster's turn. The spellcaster, he is now pinned in by Pine and Tigish. Um, let's see what spells he's got. I know he's got a couple of things he can do. He is going to have Mr. Pine make a wisdom saving throw difficulty 14. All right. That's a 16. <sighs> okay. Pine, suddenly you feel yourself really really wanting to turn into a blue jay, but you don't as polymorph <laughs> fails. Yes. And this guy is trapped. Um, his last line of defense has failed and he is going to attempt to uh, to book it with his movement. He moves back towards the opening between the curtains and Tigish and Pine both get to make an attack of opportunity. His AC is 14. Pine rolled a natural one, so that's a nine. Well, Antigish rolled an 11, so he manages to get past you guys and is still in this area and hurting very, very badly. Um, but you hear him call out, wait for me. And it is now back to the top of the round. Roos, you see what is going on. Uh, this last spellcaster has uh, has uh, started running towards that back exit. And what are you going to do? Roos will step forward to stand next to Nari and he'll pull out one of his chakram and uh, have a little throw. Okay. Nat one for ten. That's going to miss. I'll do my bonus action and throw the offhand one. Squire, let me try again. And I got a 13. And that misses too. Um, you can tell that they should be hitting this guy, but there's some kind of a protective, like um, protective, like thin, super thin um, flash of light every time it hits his his robe. Um, he's got mage armor on. Okay, Mr. Pine, it is your turn. This guy just ran out of your threat range, and you swung at him and missed. Well, Mr. Pine is going to run up right next to him and uh, take some attacks. Okay. First attack is a 16 to hit. That'll hit. Eight piercing damage, two cold damage. And the guy drops. Okay. What are you gonna do now? That was twenty that was twenty-five of my feet. I have ten more feet of movement. I am going to basically just bust through um, the doorway to see what I can see, see if what's his face is still in there. Bust through the, the back curtain. Back curtain, mm-hmm. All right. As you do, you see that, remember I described this building as being kind of symmetrical. The door on the west side that um, that Richter had opened, that Nari went out, well, the door on the east side is propped open. It looks like, potentially, Bartos has left the building. Um, you see Ed, uh, Tedward and Pender are um, both scrambling now uh, towards the other exit. I'll yell over to them and I'll say, did he leave out here? They look back at you and they both nod and then continue running. And then Pine will also say, Pender, good to see you again. And then Pender will yell out, I'm glad you're wearing pants this time. <laughs> and that's my turn. Okay. All right. We are not going to finish initiative. Um, we are going to continue with initiative. Richter, what are you going to do? All right. Um... I'm going to just bolt straight north and go through the curtain 
Okay. Um, so five, ten, go through the curtain. I see the door open after hearing Pine yell and like ask if they went through the door. And I'm just going to bolt through that door. So 15, 20 out into the street uh, or into the alley. And is Bartas that close to the door? You, um, so Bartas is not that close to the door. Here, let me let me set something up a little bit different because I'm, I need more space for you guys, I think. It's going to be imagination time. Theater of the mind. The theater, the theater. Oh, don't what do that, please. What happens to the theater? No, that's like the worst <laughs> part of that movie. What? Oh, I hate Mr. that Bones. song. Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. I was trying to put my finger on it. That is... Yes, yes, it was. (laughs) Mr. Bones. Oh, that was terrible. That's a good one. Can I just say, I freaking love Danny Kaye. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't? Oh, Danny Kaye is fantastic. But that song is the worst song on White Christmas, in my opinion. Except for the tap dancing girl when when she taps her foot so fast, like so fast. Oh, dude, she was fantastic. Richter, you step outside into this alleyway back behind. You can see that Bartos is probably about 30 or 40 feet ahead of you. He's not moving quickly, um, and you are still invisible. He does not know you're there. Ooh, okay. Okay. Oh, goodness. All right. This is kind of a weird one. Could I do instead of a normal action just do two bonus actions we allowed that before so I don't see any reason why we can't again okay I'm going to shout out your sins are exposed under the light of the sun mark of the dawn and I'm going to curse him and then I'm going to use my step of the dawn bonus action to magically teleport 30 feet to an unoccupied space within five feet of the target cursed by my ability. Okay. And I'm going to teleport on the far end, kind of preventing him from leaving. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of wedged in between two buildings here. It's like, you know, there's like five feet of, uh, five feet of space really to move through. So you teleport right on the other side of him. The only way he can go is back towards the exit that you came, that he came out of. Okay. Very good. And that's that's it for my turn. Nari, it's your turn. Are you following out the door as well? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to. I think at this point I can actually use movement and an action. You might be able to reach him. Yeah, I I think I can. Uh, So I'm going to swing for a 22 to hit. That will hit. You should if you haven't done an action yet, you should have advantage on that attack. You should still be invisible, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, so that is a 12 to hit. Or, sorry, a 12 damage. I'd, I'd roll again just to see if you get the critical. Because why not? I did not. Uh, but You okay, wasted all darn. your 20s uh, last session. I know, I really did. <laughs> um, and then I got an 11 to hit. Okay, the 11 will miss. Um, I'm going to use my extra roll just to try again, and that is a 27 to hit. That'll hit. For 9 damage. That is all I've got for now. It is 
Tigish's turn. Tigish and Pine are further back away from the doorway. Um, Tigish starts to make his move. Um, he says, he says to Pine, he says, I thank you for your help, but we, we must get him. That's the headsman. And he's going to make all of his move with a dash to barely get out into the alleyway. Um, and he can now see Nari and Bartos and Richter all in their confrontation. And that is going to bring us now to Bartos. Bartos is surrounded by Nari on one side, Richter on the other side, a building to the north and a building to the south. He actually is going to cast a spell. And what he is going to do is, I think, let me just do some quick measuring because why not? Oh gosh, this could spell disaster for Tigish. I am going to need Nari and Richter, as well as Tigish, all to make dexterity. I'm gonna counter spell this. Nice. Okay. <laughs> With my last spell slot. Level five? Yeah. Okay, roll it. I knew I liked this guy. Charisma plus your, or it's a 20 side die plus your charisma modifier, or your spellcasting modifier. Spellcasting modifier, which is spell modifier or attack? Your spell, I think it's your spell attack, right? Is it d20 plus your spell attack? I don't know. It, I don't know if it's spell attack or just the attribute, the modifier. I think it's just the attribute, actually, now that I think about it. Just the attribute, I think. It should have it listed on the spell. Fourth liar, make an ability check using your spellcasting ability. Yeah, so just the ability. The DC equals 10 plus the spell's level. Okay. I know what the spell's level is, so you make your... It's it's higher than five, I'll tell you that much. Oof, okay. A 19. Oh my gosh, you... No! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! You just counterspelled Chain Lightning. Oh, wow. Oh, hallelujah. Oh my gosh. This guy, Bartos, looks pissed. (laughs) He looks at you, Richter, and he says, next time. And then you see a little flash of light from his ring. And he disappears from sight. That's right. Get out of here. Run. At that, we are going to cue victory music. Jeez. Uh, that was intense. Holy cow, guys. Semi-victory. I think this is the first time an adjudicator has actually survived to fight another day. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Don't worry, we'll get him. So as you guys, so the, the Dracia Opera House is actually on fire currently, okay? People are streaming out. You see, finally, as you guys are here, all kind of uh, congregating here in this back alley, you see that these three individuals who made it up onto the stage and out back, they finally get out into the alleyway and they take off. You see Tedward and Pender come out and they're looking around and uh, Tedward goes running off, but Pender notices you guys and he recognizes you as well and comes running over and he says, we have to get out of here. The building's on fire. Tigish is also here. And he, um, he comes over to you. He says, I'm afraid he's probably gone. Um, we, we best move before this building catches the next ones on fire. Yes, let's get out of here. We're going to have to lay low for a while after this one. Yeah, I agree. 
And he looks over his shoulder at you, Roos, as you kind of join up. And he says, and it's good to see you again. I see you got my note. I did. And I have a few questions and a possible contract to hire from you. Well, we could go back to the the house, the safe house, or we have a you know a couple nice rooms at the Don Draper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where are you guys going? You guys got to start scooting here soon. This is the second time in this in one day that you guys have had to scoot away from the Dracia Opera House. Richter, I trust you know the city. Lead the way. I think uh, let's go to your rooms for now. I'd rather not double back on my own home again in a single day. Not very hospitable of you, but that's okay. <laughs> oh man, that performance, Tedward, that was fire. Tedward is gone. It is Pender alone. Tedward ran off. Some might say it was an explosive performance. <laughs> <laughs> A real ball of energy, that one. <laughs> I'm disappointed in myself. All I can come up with are terrible puns today. <laughs> All I did was pick one lock. In that whole fight. <laughs> you threw some chakrams. <laughs> oh, well, that could have gone totally different had Bartas, had you, had you engaged him initially. And that chain lightning that you, holy cow. We can talk more, more about that at the very end. Anyway, okay, you guys managed to make your way through the city back towards the um, the southern press, the south press, the, the area of the city that is uh, smaller houses pressed in against each other tight alleyways, that kind of thing. And you wind your way back towards the drawn drapes. As you go into the common room, the innkeeper, um, he welcomes you and you kind of go past him. Now, uh, towards your rooms, kind of at the northwest corner of the building with Tigish and Pender in tow. As you guys all convene in one room, Tigish takes a seat on a little stool and Pender flops down on the bed. I mean, I don't know that I should take the lead on this conversation. <laughs> You're after the headman, which is kind of connected here with um, this man over here. Um, and it seems that uh, also you know Roos? Yes. Tigish, these are some of my friends I've been traveling with for the last couple of years. I mean, couple? There was a five-year break. <laughs> the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and a few weeks a couple years before that yes that's right like a month and a half five years ago so Tigish is dressed very very nicely um, you know in, not in the in the Barastian style um, but he also is very formal um, he actually bows to each of you and he says well it is a pleasure to meet you all I am Tigish and I work for Howling Talent I actually helped to train young Roos here yeah you did it job of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Master Tigish, it is a pleasure to meet you. I didn't realize that the Howling Talon had a contract out for the Headsman. There's a contract out for the Headsman, for sure. But, uh, I had other reasons to be here. And he looks over at Reese. You caught me. Here I am. Oh, it's not me you have to worry about catching you. There's others who are after that contract. I would like to put out a counter offer. Interesting. I would like you to capture King Tenor for pretending 
to sit upon the throne that belongs to me rightfully. To to put out that contract, we would have to go to the Howling Talon field office. And I assure you, Roos, that is not a place you want to go currently. <laughs> I can imagine. I would like to put out a contract then. I'll do it for you. <laughs> a contract? A contract on King Tenor. Now, Nari's going to kind of stand behind Pine too and like crack her knuckles and be like, yeah. <laughs> Tigger says, Roos, as you know, when there is a contract out, it is unethical for us to put out a counter contract dealing with the same situation. He has no authority over me. He's pretending to sit upon the throne that is rightfully mine. Is it ethical to warn the, uh, the people that you're supposed to be hunting? He looks at you, Mr. Pine, and he says, no. That's, that's not an insult. That's, that's, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to gauge where you're coming from. He says, no, no, it is not ethical. And he looks back at you, Roos, and you, Roos, knowing Tigish, you would know that um, that is very out of character for him to do something unethical. This feels out of character, yeah, from, from the Tigish that I knew years ago. And then he drops his illusion and he's not Tigish. I'm just kidding. No, he is. He is Tigish. He says, Roos, they're after you. Twice over. Once from five years ago, when you abandoned your contract, you didn't just abandon it. Let's see. Let me see if I can remember what I was told. You went into the field office and you informed them that you knew where your mark was, and then you refused to get your mark, and then you quit. Yeah, it might have been a bit dramatic. Can I explain maybe a little bit better than I was able to in that message? Yes. The mark that I was after was me. I know. Did you expect me to turn myself in and say, I caught him, it's me. Take me into the Empire. He, he cuts you off. He says, I expected you to lie. I expected that when you figured it out, you would lie to protect yourself. I'm not very good at lying. I know. I tried to teach you. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> That's a lie. I tried to teach him not to be, not to have so much candor. <laughs> Roos, you could have just walked away. You could have said, I can't find him, and I quit. But instead you said, I know where the heir is, and I will not bring him in. You should have known that would not fly. Well, am I supposed to be on the run from you for the rest of my life then? Not from me. I would not do that to you. I feel, I feel slightly responsible for the situation that you were placed in five years ago. Well, you did send me on that mission. Yes, yes, I did. While this is going on, Pine will sit on the bed next to Pender and say, How you doing, man? That was a great performance, buddy. Really brought the house down, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Remember, Roos? 
He looks over. He goes, yeah, I remember Roos. He's the heir to the throne of Arkelvy. Well, Everlyn. Um, I'm trying to think of something sexy he can say. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> he just, you, you, as you say that, he just kind of looks over at Roos and just, just kind of, um, just kind of, uh, lost in thought a little bit, but looking at him, um, Tigish responds to you, Roos, and says, I was hoping you would figure out who you are and then move on. Does that make sense? Well, I have moved on. It seems that Howling Talon hasn't. So I am going to say this right now as Paul the DM. Maybe not. Well, let's see. What Scott said when he quit (laughs) Howling Talon is literally the only reason why they're after him. Jesus Christ, (laughs) bud. I know, right? (laughs) It is literally the way that you quit. Uh, So when Tigish says, um, you know, that, you know, you could have quit easier or whatever, and it would have been fine, but you literally said what you said. Um, That's the only reason why they're after you. Wait a second. You hoped that Roos would find out who he was and then move on? Did you know who he was? He kind of sits, sits back, leans back a little bit. Um, adjusts. Oh, I forgot to describe. He's got little spectacles on, too. He kind of adjusts his spectacles um, and says, Yes, I, I knew who he was. Yes. Um, and I guess sending him on that mission was less about him finding out who he was and more about other people not finding out who he was. I assumed if others from Howling Talon sought out the heir of Everlyn, they very well may piece together who the heir was. And I could not let that happen on my honor. I appreciate that, Tigish. You've always been very respectful and honorable. I do have a small sum of money to perhaps buy my freedom from the, the organization? Well, that's the problem. We can take care of that first contract. I'm sure we can, we can gloss that over. A lot has changed in the world since that first contract. It's the second one that we can't gloss over. Okay. It's the one from King Tenor. Oh, well, honestly, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Tigish, as soon as I save the world again, I'm going to go and deal with Tenor personally. Roos, I understand. I sent you those notes as a warning to let you know that some, some people, someone, will try to stop you. And if I know you're here in Almar, then they know you're here in Almar. Is it Farron? That's his ex-boyfriend. I whispered a pender. <laughs> Um, Tigish reaches out and puts a hand on your knee. Bruce, he says, I'm afraid so. Son of a whore. Pine is eating popcorn, just watching <laughs> all this go down. <laughs> the breakup wasn't that horrible, I didn't think, but maybe it was worse than I thought. Oh, it, it, it has nothing to do with that. See... Farron is very good at what he does. And he takes his position 
as a bounty hunter for Halley Talon very, very seriously. As you used to. Yes, I did. Is Farron in the city? Yes. Yes, he is. I'm still interested in putting in another contract, whether through my friend Mr. Pine here, who is a delegate of Queen Kira of Tabory. Perhaps through that route we could have Tabory put out a mark on King Tenor to have him brought to trial before Queen Kira for an attempted assassination upon her life. He says, I understand what you're saying, but that's not possible. We have accepted a contract from Tenor. So we could take you in and you can explain your situation, but we cannot have a counter contract. And you know this. Well, thank you for telling me. I suppose I can't resolve this properly until I deal with Tenor. And if that means Farron will be chasing me until then. Well, he's chased me before. Yeah, he has. (laughs) (laughs) And I seem to get out unscathed. Except for that booty hole. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What does Pender look like through all this? <laughs> Pender is just taking it all in. He's just he he looks uh, super worn out, um, and he's just listening to everything. And then he kind of leans over towards you, Pine. And he says, "Ex-boyfriend? Like, did it like end badly? That was like ten minutes ago. Where have you been, man?" <laughs> hey. Honestly, I do think Nari's gonna kind of step up beside Bruce and say. Does your organization have no respect for the government? Queen Kira would not be happy to see her brother murdered, even by an organization. The contract is not for murder. The contract is to apprehend. Oh, it's alive. Take him alive. And in all honesty, what gives... Let's let's step back. I understand that she is important to you, but what gives her say more authority than the king of Arkelvy? You say he is a usurper, that he does not belong on the throne, but who's to say? Honestly, the world ended five years ago. Almar doesn't exist. The empire has crumbled. Who's to say who should rule Almar? Who should rule Arkelvy? Who should rule Tabori? Basically. Whoever came out on top. So Howling Talon is just in the winds of of fate and whoever happens to be ruling the area that they're in? Exactly. Exactly. We're a tool. We're a tool that people can use. They're a neutral organization. They they work for whoever whoever hires them. Sounds like capitalism. Sounds like Sweden. Switzerland. Uh, Yeah, Switzerland. It's Bergen, Bergen, it's Bergen, Bergen. Ikea. Sweden is about meatballs. Switzerland's about hiding your finances. That's right. (laughs) Panda, you look like you need to take a nap. Yeah. And I'll let him rest on my shoulder. (laughs) Tigish kind of stands up from the stool. He looks down at you, Roos, and he says, You know, you, you becoming a member of Howling Talon was... Um, was not luck. I mean, 
you a boy from the muds of Tabri, the backwater of the backwater. How rare is that? Well, I feel like you should know that your position with Howling Talon was set up by your father. Really? By the father you didn't know. By Simon. Wow. I I suspected that there was something at play outside of my power. I just attributed it to the lords and ladies, but this makes much more sense. I'm not that young boy anymore. I don't know that I could ever go back to the person I was when you knew me with Howling, Howling Talon. But I thank you for all that you taught me. He looks at you and he says, I... I don't think you should go back. He says, I like this version of you. I like this version better. Yes, I, I like our matching sweater vests. These are so comfortable. And you both pull it off equally well. Right? Yes. Tigus is all like slick and smooth and suave. These guys have been teasing me relentlessly for years about my style, but see how good it looks? He looks at you all and says, shame on you all. Shame on you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He he puts his hand on your shoulder, Roos, and he says, "Um, Roos, I will be here in the city. I'll be keeping an eye open for you as well as for Bartos. But you stay safe, take care, and watch for Farron. He is very very good at what he does. And at that, Tigish stands up, steps out of the room, and we are going to stop there for tonight. Wait, 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 wait. There's literally no way this guy doesn't bust into your room at night. (laughs) (laughs) What what did you need, Pine? What did you need? I was just going to quickly say, how do we contact you if we uh, find Bartos first, or if you need a little bit of a Backup. Bartas wouldn't be the first adjudicator we've killed. He'd be the fourth. Five, we've imprisoned one of them. He reaches into his pack and he pulls out a small red crystal and he hands it to Roos. He says, this will come straight to me. And then he turns around and leaves the room. And that's where we're going to stop for tonight. Yes. So there you go. You got a sending stone to Tigish. Let's see. You guys had a run-in with Bartos, the headsman, who, I mean, he could have wrecked you guys if not for a very good roll on a counterspell. Um, that fight could have gone a totally different direction. Anyway, thanks for playing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully, you are enjoying this excitement, this tension, this intrigue, this romance this random poet in pine's bed (laughs) pender let's go grab a drink yeah honestly i just want to know what's going on with pender (laughs) does he have does he have like exclusive access to uh our spoonious bird uh, we, we will have to get to that next time. Don't forget to check out our shop and our Discord and all that I'm stuff. I'm sure that our listeners really want to hear us talking about Tedward for another episode. <laughs> I'm pretty sure everyone is probably done with Tedward for a while. 
Anyway, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>